0: from KQED.
1: Hi, I'm Alan Montecilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Sacramento and the Bay Area are deeply linked. There are so many folks living here who are from Sacramento, and so many people from The Bay who live in Sacramento. Well, over the next couple of weeks, SAC and The Bay will be directly competing with each other. And this is a first. At no point in the history of American pro sports have two teams from Sacramento and the Bay faced off in a playoff series.
2: I'm juiced for this, I'm not gonna lie. Like, as a Warriors fan, I'm more excited to play the Kings than just about any team because it's never happened in my life.
1: Tomorrow night, the defending champion, Golden State Warriors, visit the Sacramento Kings. It's a battle of youth versus experience, Sacramento versus the Bay, and between two fan bases that want to win badly. So today, we're going to talk about the basketball battle for Northern California and what it means to the people who live here.
0: We have so much energy. We have so much manic adoration from a hometown that has been waiting for this moment for nearly two decades. It's going to be really fun. Stay with us. My name is Bianca Taylor. I am the host of our KQED Consider This podcast, as well as producer of Segmented Audio, and I'm a fan of the Sacramento Kings. I've been a Kings fan since I can remember. I grew up in Sacramento, lived there for 17 years before I moved to the Bay for college. The Kings are Sacramento's only major sports team, and so it wasn't even a matter of like, if you liked basketball or if you went to any games, like you were a Kings fan. It was just part of kind of the cultural competency of being a Sacramentan. Especially when we were good, there was so much pride about being a Sacramento Kings fan because Sacramento tends to be overshadowed by all of the other big cities in California. So I've been a Kings fan for as long as I can remember.
2: My name is Alan Chisaro. I'm a staff writer for the arts and culture department at KQD, and I'm a Dub Nation member, lifelong, AKA the Golden State Warriors, AKA the champs, the dynasty. I was born and raised in the Bay Area, Mexican immigrant parents, first generation. Grew up mostly in the Skrillicon Valley, pre-Google Mountain View. And then I moved to uh, Berkeley after community college, and I've been in the East Bay ever since. Throughout that whole time, I was always a Warriors fan. Back then, the Warriors were actually trash, so they were a perennial losing team. They always were in last place or second to last place. When I was a kid, a lot of people my age were Lakers fans because it was easy to be a Lakers fan. So I was in the minority growing up as a Warriors fan, and I cling to that proudly now that the tables have turned, and we've organically built a team over decades and are where we are now.
1: So we are talking now because the Warriors and the Kings are facing off in the first round of the NBA playoffs yes. starting, starting tomorrow. Bianca, before this season started, how would you describe what it was like to be a Sacramento Kings fan for the last decade or so?
0: I mean, just sad. The Kings haven't made the playoffs for the last 16 years. As a Kings fan, especially living in the Bay Area, it's been disheartening and and the Kings have been so irrelevant, like you don't even get the chance to tell people you're a Kings fan. Call it Kings frustration. The team struggling again this season, well below 500, coming back from the All-Star break. And now some fans have launched a GoFundMe site to pay for a billboard urging the Kings brass to step down. And we've had good people come and go, but you know they left. We've had Ownership changes, which have been terrible. 2002, that was really the last time we were golden. And when we lost to the Lakers, we've sort of been trying to get that magic back. But like everyone in Sacramento remembers where they were when the Kings lost to that three point shot by Robert Horry in 2002. Since then, It feels like we've been climbing up this huge hill to get to where we are today and i gotta say like when the kings made it into the playoffs before the warriors it felt like i was living in a surreal universe
1: that playoff drought which i believe was since 2006 that was actually the longest playoff drought of any Major American pro sports team.
0: Yes, I mean (laughs) Um, historic,
1: truly. Tell me about the 2023 Sacramento Kings. What has happened this year that's been so different?
0: So we went from, you know, not being anywhere near the playoffs to finishing third in the Western Conference and finishing first in the Pacific Division.
1: Nobody on the panel expected Sacramento to be where they
2: are. No. They third in the West, right? Third in the West. That's impressive.
0: Our team is young and they're fast. They play incredibly offensive basketball.
2: Rebound,
1: his
0: third. Nice yeah. backdoor cut. Fox. Look at the ball movement. Extra pass. Her one of my favorite players is De'Aaron Fox.
1: Right, at 123. no timeouts here for the Kings. Fox, two, Fox from midcourt,
0: got it. The Fox called game. He's averaging a career high of 25.2 points per game. Even more than how good he is, like he loves Sacramento. I heard a joke that went like this: The best part about Sacramento is you're only two hours away from the good parts of California. Nah,
2: let me flip that. The good thing about California is you're only a couple hours away from the best
0: fan base in the league. I mean, every really good player we've had since 2002 has left. And so for a player at the top of his career who's only getting better, to say that he wants to stay in Sacramento, you know, a place that is overlooked, that's considered a cow town, that is just... An hour and a half from San Francisco, um, a two-hour flight from LA. Like he could be playing anywhere, kind of. And the fact that he's choosing to stay with us is—it's just really special. And it kind of feels like finally we've been heard. Like the fans have been really hungry to get behind a team that that wants to be there, and it, it feels like that's finally happening. And it, that's yeah. something that's really special about this team is that you have a bunch of individually really talented players, but they like playing together, and they like Sacramento. They like being the beam team. You know, I think they've embraced this underdog persona. A lot of them are so new to the league and they're just coming out swinging with kind of nothing to lose. And it's been incredible to watch.
1: I feel like we have to talk about the beam. Uh, For people who don't know, explain the beam and just like what role that plays in this Sacramento Kings season.
0: The beam literally is four purple lasers that come out of the roof of Golden One Center in downtown. And the beam gets lit during home or away games when the Kings win, and it all started on 916 day. The owner decided that we needed a beam.
1: This is right before the season, right?
0: This is before the season. Yeah, it was just like we had this gorgeous new stadium. Like, let's why not? You know, a beam. And then it was first lit in October 2022 after being cleared by the Federal Aviation Administration. <laughs> like, this thing is bright. I don't know why that's so funny. Yeah. A few weeks later, after the beam was lit, uh, the Kings took off on a seven game winning streak, and it kind of became this talisman like, oh my gosh, like the Kings won, light the beam. And now the beam lights up the sky after every Kings victory at home or away. The amazing thing about the beam is it's not just something that Sacramento fans have latched onto, but it's become kind of this NBA wide symbol of of Sacramento fandom. It's very silly. It's a beam of light, but it's also I think like a beam of hope. It's this optimism. It's something that Sacramento fans can rally around and call our own. This hope, this new beginning, this new era of a King's franchise that Sacramento can be super proud of. And the team themselves has legally trademarked themselves, the beam team. That's incredible. And I just want to say too, like the crowd energy that's going to be at the Golden 1 Center, it, it's going to be deafening. This is a playoff-ready crowd.
1: But they're ready for it. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's You're do gonna it. you going to light this beam? Let's do it. Let's let them light the beam! Bam! Coming up, we'll talk about the Bay Area's very own Golden State Warriors, and what it means for these two Northern California teams to play one another.
2: Support for KQED podcasts comes from SFMOMA. Calling all music lovers, don't miss Art of Noise, the must-see exhibition of the summer. Pour over 800 works including 1960s and 70s concert posters, hi-fi listening experiences, and more. On view now. Get tickets at sfmoma.org. Hey KQED listeners, I'm right now as podcast host Pendarvis Harshaw. Dropping a line to invite you to a summer evening of live contemporary jazz at the KQED headquarters in San Francisco, Thursday, June 20th at 7 p.m. We've got a stacked lineup of dope musicians, including vocalist Jamie Z, saxophonist Lydia Rodriguez, and harpist Destiny Mohammed. And News Flash is the closing event for our podcast. We've had a great run, so help us celebrate the end of this chapter. Get tickets to Liner Notes Live at kqed.org events.
0: And that'll do it. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight
1: years. Alan, I want to bring you back in here and bring things back to the Bay. We've heard about the Kings. Incredible story. The Warriors are coming in to this series with a very different pedigree. Uh, Four championships since 2015, including last year. Steph Curry is like, a god in the Bay Area, but what has this season been like for the defending champs?
2: I love Light the Beam. I'm, all, I'm Sacramento all day, unless they play the Warriors, which unfortunately they do. But to answer your question, the Warriors of 2023, uh, it's been a weird season. I think most Warriors fans would say that it's been kind of unpredictable.
0: Monty Pool, Kareth Burke here. We are digesting the fact that the Warriors have started this road trip Yeah.
2: You had a lot of kind of weird drama that we haven't seen in in, in recent years.
1: Sources tell ESPN that Warriors star for Draymond Green threw a punch at fellow
2: teammate Jordan Poole. Our, Our dynasty run has been defined by veteran players that are super savvy, high IQ, and really skilled, versatile ballers. Whereas this season, and arguably a little bit last season, we've had this weird conflict of interest where you have these Hall of Fame players and perennial all-stars like Steph Curry, uh, Clay, Draymond, even Kavon Looney, right? Like, these veterans. And they're teamed up with these, like, first, second, and third-year players like Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody. So you have a bunch of dudes that are, like, basically just out of their teenage years as human beings playing with, like, guys that are in their 30s. And there's this weird dichotomy that I think has come to life uh, on the basketball court where there's just these inexplicable moments where the warriors should be winning games but they're not
0: can't find anybody nearly five seconds Pull. trying to make a play throws it out of bounds warriors turn it over
1: sounds like the season's been kind of uneven, like, even though everyone knows the Warriors are the champs, they just haven't really played up to that standard.
2: Definitely, yeah. But I think because the Warriors have, have that championship pedigree and experience, from what I've felt from other Warriors fans is we're not really worried because we haven't had a full team all year. And when we had our full team last year, we won the championship. And we've won four championships when we have a healthy team.
1: So you're both diehard fans of Sacramento and Golden State. Uh, I wanna talk now about what this matchup means to both of you. A lot of sports rivalries are regional, like between neighbors, right? Did you grow up feeling like there was beef between the Kings and the Warriors? It sounds like the answer is no, right? Alan,
2: I'll start with you. Definitely not. I've never had any antipathy towards Sacramento as a city or the team. Um, And that's because, you know, we live in a big state, California. We have four basketball teams. No other state has four basketball franchises. The Kings feel like a cool cousin that you don't see often, but when they come to the party, you're excited to have them there. And that's how I feel about the the Kings in this year's playoffs. I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Like, Pull up a chair next to me. Let's have a good time. The only team I would be happy to lose to in the playoffs ever is this year's Sacramento Kings because I know how much it would mean to their fan base. And I'm a Warriors fan who has been in that position where we've been doubted and we've sucked for so long that when we made the playoffs and the first time you win, it's like an incredible feeling Um, When you've been loyal to the soil, like the the payoff of that is tremendous. I mean, Bianca, do you feel like
1: I'm not trying to gin up conflict here? No, I'm Um, ready to
0: I'm ready to see the Warriors cry.
2: Yeah, yeah. Everybody is.
0: To answer your question, Alan, what what does it mean? I mean, I think the fact that Sacramento has been so irrelevant for so long and the Warriors, like I've lived in the Bay for as long as I've lived in Sacramento, but I never considered myself a Warriors fan. I just felt like outside of that club and and no one cared that I was a Kings fan. Like it just wasn't relevant. The Kings were so far out of the conversation. So now that we're playing the Warriors, a team that all of us should have become fans of by any like rational metric, but we kind of like, you know, we're loyal to our soil, like Alan said. Like we've we've stuck to our hometown roots, and now we're ready to just <laughs> absolutely unleash on on the team that we all <laughs> that we've just seen absolutely demolish everyone for the last you know decade. It's gonna be it's gonna be really fun.
1: Yeah, it seems like even though there's not like a historic like beef between the two teams, it is undeniable that one of these two. Historically overlooked NorCal teams has kind of like ascended, and one of them has like stayed in this sort of underdog status.
0: Totally. I mean, yeah. I think I think it's the Warriors' game to lose, but I think the energy. What I'm I mean, listen, I'm nervous. <laughs> like the Warriors, <laughs> I've seen the Warriors play in the playoffs. I've seen the Warriors win playoff championships. It's been so long since the Kings have been in this space. Our players are so young. There is concern that this is a lot of pressure and that they have had an incredible season, but under the bright lights against a team that is so well-seasoned with these veterans. Like, are we going to crack?
2: Yeah, no, it's strange. I've actually, I'm pretty active on Twitter, especially NBA Twitter. And I say that to say that I've never in my life seen so many Kings fans come out of nowhere just throwing haymakers at Warriors fans online. Like out of the blue, I just want to go on the record. I don't know a single Warriors fan in my lifetime that has ever said anything bad about the Kings. Never. It kind of feels like you're like the boxer that's won all the fights and there's this kid coming and like kind of trying to punch you on the arm. And you're like, what? Like, what is this? Like, like, calm down, calm down.
1: All right, so looking ahead here, game one is tomorrow night. The first two games will be in Sacramento. Bianca Taylor, give me one reason why the Kings are going to beat the Warriors in this series.
0: We have nothing to lose. We've been waiting 16 years for a moment back in the playoffs. We've got the best offense in the league. We have so much energy. We have so much manic adoration from a hometown that has been waiting for this moment for nearly two decades, and we're not going to let it pass us by.
1: Alan, I'll give you the last word here, since this still is a Bay Area show. (laughs) Why are the Warriors going to fend off the young, hungry, upstart kings?
2: There's a reason that the Warriors have been so dominant for so long. They're really good, and they have experience, and players like Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, even Jordan Poole, they've been in this position before, So when they get in moments and situations of high-pressure games, um, they're reverting back to some experiences that they've had, right? It's like anything in life. The first time you ride your bike, you could be as excited as you want that you just got a brand-new bike and you're peeling off the wrapper, but you will fall and you're going to get wobbly because you don't know the physics of it yet, right? The Warriors, they took off those training wheels 10 years ago. And you know what I mean? That's just the reality. That's just life.
0: This is devastating.
2: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm not trying to combat you. I'm just like, you know, that's that's how I view it.
1: So in this battle of youth versus experience, you're taking
2: experience. All day, baby.
0: I got three words, Alan. Light the beam. For the record, Alan and I are gonna go watch a game together at a bar.
2: And you're you're invited. Everyone's invited. The whole Northern California.
1: All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Bianca Taylor, Alan Cesaro, thanks so much.
0: Thanks for having us.
2: Thank you.
1: You just heard from KQED's Bianca Taylor and Alan Cesaro. Bianca is the host of KQED's Consider This podcast. Alan is a staff writer for KQED's Arts and Culture Desk. This episode of The Bay was cut down by Maria Eskinka. I scored it and added the tape. The Bay is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. Erica Cruz Guevara is our host, Maria Eskinka is our producer, and I am the senior editor. Cesar Saldana is our podcast engagement producer, Katie Sprenger is our podcast operations manager, Jen Chen is our director of podcasts, and KQED's chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Alan Montecilio. Thanks for listening, and have a good weekend.
2: I haven't heard anybody dub no pun intended this series. Any thoughts on what we could call this rivalry? I
0: mean uh. something with I80.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Hella like as a word. I feel mm-hmm. like NorCal embraces hella. I don't know if there's the Hella I80 something clash or Gosh, I don't know. You <laughs> may we have to crowdsource that
1: one.
0: <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to be thinking. I think that the Warriors and the Kings should team up and just play the Lakers and beat them by like <laughs> oh, 300 yeah. points except, and then everyone could the go Lakers. home happy.
2: <laughs> Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years, or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well and die to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? the snap judgment podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes snap judgment listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts